he's the um, you know you 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 bring your your white person with you to a party just in case the cops show up and then you all can go home <laughs> safe and that and 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 you know you need that. Is that why I got invited to parties? <laughs> well, yeah, probably. <laughs> what do you think? I asked you to drive me home when we go to the black fire. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And I, I also, I also make sure to bump the Taylor Swift as yeah. I'm driving you exactly, home. Exactly right. There's no way they're gonna pull me over for that, officer. I'm in a white dude's SUV. We're we're singing Taylor Swift. You cannot. You're legally not allowed to. Arrested. Cops are just like, cops are just like, oh no, Chad and Tristan are in that Subaru. No, we're not going to pull that over. <laughs> Hello, comrades, and welcome to the 55 One podcast. I am Wes Berdine. I'm joined by Rodrigo sanchez Javaria, Corey Schreppel, Mark Fangmeyer. Hello, everyone. Let's do a oh, podcast. Howdy. I got my uh, Talisman Loons shirt on. That is um, definitely them uh, ripping off some uh, expired uh, trademarks of the kicks. And, uh, you know, what do we got here? We got a Minnesota United track jacket on Corey, support local or, or, or beer dabbler. Growler Magazine. What do you got going there, Rodrigo? Um, just beer. He's, cool. He's beer. shirtless. Beer. He's just shirtless. Yeah. Nobody, nobody would chest. know. Um, I did see someone at the uh, at the LA Galaxy game wearing a Minnesota Kicks jersey. So, you know, I and you? I had someone come up to me asking me where they could buy a Boca de Nord scarf. And they were like, you can't. Yeah. Why not? You don't make them anymore. Yeah, there's only like seven. Um, I will say with Minnesota kicks, uh, this will tie into just a, a weird uh, or just a, a Minnesota women's soccer update, um, which is that we're we're starting the process soon to do the the voting on the naming, and um, we did have like a trademark person look into the Minnesota kicks because we were just like the trademark for Minnesota kicks has been vacated, so it it is available, but they were they were just like. Um, it's going to be really tough to do merchandise and do anything and like actually like maintain a trademark on it. But I briefly was really into this idea of resurrecting the Minnesota kicks as a women's team. Uh, and so, uh, but anyway, I think that's a pipe dream. There's lots of those names that they seem really interesting, but once we started to talk to the trademark people, they're like, uh, that's not going to work. And that's not going to work. And and y'all, um, did I read correctly that you posted a they they posted the job for the um, head coach? Yeah, that we started looking for the head coach. Um, so that uh, if you know people involved in women's soccer, um, specifically, we are definitely trying to branch out to find as many women who are coaching um, around Minnesota um, to to have them apply. Go to the website mnwoso.com. Yeah, anyway, and if you guys are still interested and you have not like pulled the trigger on investing, I know lots of people have and they've sent me awesome notes. Um, send me uh, questions. I'm happy to answer them. Happy to tell you all about it. Um, Rodrigo, you got to get uh, in. If you want to be part of the voting for the the board and the names, the, um, the rolling close, we're going to do a big rolling close um, uh, October first. So you want your investment to oh, be man. Okay. filled by then. So, can I can I come do some um, 
some bouncer type of job at your at, at, at the bar so that I can get some um, some free cash to be able to use that. So yeah, actually, you can. possibly. The I'm other pretty thing- sure if you work, it's not free cash. Yeah, it's actually labor. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, so people know out there, the investments go until December December tenth. But because we want to get community people involved, we need to have them be actual investors, and that has to. We've got to go through that process, and that will happen October first. So you want your money to have been in and processed by then. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about this podcast. Let's talk about Minnesota United with a fantastic win and a fantastic loss. Probably the worst loss in two years um, that we've seen and one of the best wins we've seen in a long time. Uh, Definitely one of the only two really solid wins they've had this year. And uh, before that, let's do some some good, the bad, and the weird. Um, So the good... Ted Lasso won a bunch of Emmys, and it's awesome, and it should be celebrated. Hundred percent. No one's done, no one's done more for women for men's soccer than uh, Ted Lasso. Jason Sudeikis. Uh, yeah, actually, it, no, I would I would actually give more credit to uh, the to Beard than to okay. Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, yeah, he's underrated. You just give, just give credit to everyone. The 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 Beard episode last week. I haven't watched the, it yet. I was in the Boundary Waters. Really good. The Beard. Don't ruin it. All on Beard. The beard is That's weird. All you need to know. It sounds like a Mark problem, not you know. Um, yeah, I, I it's just a great show, and I know there was like there's like a weird um, alternate dimension that exists on Twitter about Ted Lasso, but it's just the sh- the season started slow. It's been really great the last few episodes, and it's super fun to watch a cultural phenomenon that is largely about this thing that. The four of us and lots of you listeners really care deeply about. So it's it's great. Um, the bad, sexy stepdad, Luchi Gonzalez, was dis- dismissed from FC Dallas. And now former Minnesota Thunder player Marco Ferruzzi is taking over his interim. So that's uh, <laughs> Luchi and Freddy Juarez are gone as head coaches. So Ferruzzi is the only Minnesota player coaching, head coaching in the league. So uh, Ferruzzi played for the Thunder. That was his last pro gig. So... But, and so was he like an assistant coach and then just moved to the interim? I think he's the the technical director. Yeah, he's like a sporting director or whatever yeah. they call it down there. How does Dallas, Dallas have so many former like Minnesota Thunder players on their staff? I mean, it's just two, but hey, man. It's, seems like a lot. I just, I just like my money was on Ramos getting fired before Lucci. Yeah. But so that was like totally out of. Like I get the reason why it happened, right? I mean, you lose to Houston, right? Who's yeah. you know, and you let Darukin Darukin Taro score a PK on you. So I mean, uh, I mean, it is kind of fun that yeah. like all three of the Texas teams are the three worst teams in the conference right now, and they're just yeah, right. battling to see who can be the worst. I I mean, I think there is something to be said about um, the the ownerships in well, Austin are trying to get it better. I think they're a different reason, but. Houston and Dallas just have not figured it out because they don't care to know or have not figured out how to um how to be relevant and like cool. I mean they're, they're those Dallas and Houston are not cool teams. They might um, And they're and they're they're massive markets for the sport. Oh yeah. They they they're, they're yeah, huge I mean, cities. They have huge existing soccer fan communities, but um but whatever it is, I don't know. I'm I'm from Texas and I don't understand 
um, those markets. Well, so I mean, if you, you look at Dallas too, it's like Dallas was it two years ago that they got into the playoffs and like had a very emotional game against uh, against Seattle, and then the next day they actually made it like six or seven, and then uh, they were able to get to the second round of the playoffs, and then you know again Seattle destroyed them, and you know you thought that this would be you know with the emergence of uh, Pepe and everything else that's been going on, I just thought that this would be the time that, you know, they would shine and it's just been a dreadful uh, set of events season for them. I mean, they they did trade a lot of players and they'd sell players. So that's, that's good. But, you know, I'm still, I'm still mad to the fact that they, they fired my only stepdad. So. Well, and the sexy quotient has gone down in the league. It's really, really suffering right now. Let's go to a good, bad and weird, which is the Wonderwall, Capos, and Thunderwall, the drum, drummers, led a protest. Uh, actually, I don't believe that they're calling it a protest. I believe that they're I don't just, think it is, yeah. yeah I, it's I, more I, like a, a safety the, precaution. Yeah, so they, they decided to pull people and not, although I, I guess I would call it a protest, but basically not have any drums and not have any Capos up for the LA Galaxy game. Basically, um, because the team is not installing a vaccine mandate, um, there's a whole month, no home games. They could have they could have worked on this and and gotten it out there. So there were no organized chants in the section. This led to an epic two pole from Birthday Boy Andy Call, who um, had behind him a, a, a two pole that that read, "We encourage this team to score goals." It was fantastic, and <laughs> that apparently was awesome. that encouragements was, yeah. work. So that's that's. That's a, a lesson. It's got to come back. It's um, got to be every match now. There's lots of debate about this. Uh, I am very. I think it's a good because people like Maggie Hire, um, um, JJ, like all the capos who I'm uh, who I know and are right in front of me and whatever do so much work and um, they don't need to volunteer themselves if they're not if the the team is not doing its part. It's not that hard for the team to. They're doing a, a vaccine mandate for the opera. This, that they're doing at the stadium this week. Um, it requires a lot of logistics, so I won't say it's easy, but they should they should do it. It, it, it is just something that has to be done. And, um, and, and, so, and, and other, other teams are doing it for at least portions of their attendees. You know, they're having vaccinated sections and things like that. I will well, say... I mean, if, no, I was just going to say, like, if you look at Canada, right? I mean, Canada has two or three teams that has done it because they're I don't know if it's a federal mandate but anyone who has to meet in that type of sense of environment where more people are meeting it that they have to have that so it makes it easier but we don't have that and so that it's just a a sad excuse but like I I I agree with a lot of you know the capos are out there and and they're cheering on and 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 they're doing that you know some of them some of them massless because of what they have to project and all the other stuff and then not knowing who's around them who may or may not be vaccinated just like that that would put my level of anxiety through the roof just for that aspect. I guess it, to so. to me, I look at it like the president of the Wonderwall, Abe, has not been at games, I don't think all year. He's got a newborn and yeah. he's out there wanting he wants to be at games. People like him want to be at games and they're not able to because the team won't because the team is so afraid of upsetting um, Chad and Doug from fucking Anoka, Lake, yeah, Lake Crystal Pepsi, wherever they're from, um, that they're Just not, not going to come. And so, yeah. um, 
okay, it's our, you've decided that you are going to choose these people over people like Abe, lots of people who are not coming. And so uh, I think the team just needs to, needs to be forced to actually reckon with this. And I love that, um, you know, there's lots of fans out there who want to be, who like when Chris Wright says like, we want to treat them as customers and consumers and brand ambassadors, they're like, oh yeah, brand ambassador, daddy. Um, but like a lot of us who believe that soccer is a community thing that we build, that we have created, and that the dark clouds, the wonder wall, red loons, et cetera, are things that we have created from the ground up and we put our sweat into, we believe that soccer is different. It's not we're not consumers. We are there helping to create something that is a community asset. And we should have a voice in that. Not that we get all of our ways, but that there is more than just a kind of like uh, cursory um, conversation. And I know that there's people in Minnesota United at the staff who are who really believe in this and, and care about it. And I, I hope that that is something that's changed. This and other things are, are definitely going to be things that we want to see from the new CEO. Are, are, how are you going to engage these things? All right, here's a bad FIFA is looking at doing the World Cup every two years, citing surveys of fans done by the North Korean government. Uh, the, the Every two years would be just a fucking stupid disaster, especially with 36,000 teams in it. Um, but, Rodrigo, you've got thoughts. Look, I suffer for 36 years to be able to get into a World Cup. Like, I can't take that kind of suffering Every two years. Like, it has to be spaced out. <laughs> like, four years is a perfect space because then I can cry during Copa America because we didn't do what we needed to do. And then it gives me another two years to be able to be like, all right, how can we beat Chile? And apparently this is the year where Chile is horrible, as, we saw, as we've seen in Copa America, that it's the year that we can actually be above Chile. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know, like, I think it totally messes with all the tournaments and all the big tournaments. And if we keep on going the way that uh, that the EPL is going, whether you're going to say we're not going to send folks um, beca- to red-listed countries or whatnot, I mean, it's just it's going to be a whole mess. FIFA needs to fix it. You know, they need to figure out their monies. But, you know, for, 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 for a fan perspective, it's just like, you know, it's just I like suffering. I like my suffering to be at least planned ahead, right? Like I know. For, I mean, here's 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 my question too. Is like they're like for 2026, they're planning on expanding to 48 teams. How do you squeeze in that much qualifying in the two years leading up to it? And then there's like, what do you? There are just no more Euros. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, like, it's all of the other stuff. Like, do you just get rid of that? And like, none of like the like. There's so much money in like the Euros and like Copa America and everything. There's there's no way they're gonna let that get get away from them. I guess all, everyone at FIFA kind of looked at it, looked at everything that happened with the European Super League, and they were like, "Oof, we should really we should really try to get in on that total epic failure action." Yeah, you know the, their issue was their branding. Weird. Here's <laughs> the last the thing. The last thing. Weird is that Chase Gasper was uh, translating for uh, Frank Payne. Interpreting, right? I mean, I guess that's what we can call it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Translating. It, it, so Gabriela, who is the team's uh, one of the team's media people, who does a lot of the translations for the team, and apparently is the only person in the staff who speaks Spanish, <laughs> um, was not there apparently at, at, at this training, and so uh, Chase had to do the 
the uh, translating for um, it was just uh, I think it was just Cal uh, doing the. I interviews. think it was Cal, and I think there were some other. Maybe, maybe staff, there were some other like, media, but I don't think it was like general media, like Star Tribune. Yeah, and, no, I think they were um, cutting like a like a like an interview piece, right? Yeah. They were recording Fragapane in an interview yeah. piece, and like it's like Chase just happened to yeah. be standing shoulder to shoulder with everybody else watching, and he was like, and they were like. And he was like, oh, I've been. I just like Minnesota Spanish. United hire some more people who speak Spanish. Like more than, hey, I speak more Spanish. Than one, more than one person. You don't want to work for the team, buddy. We'll have to kick you off this podcast and then you'll, you'll, you'll be different. I'll be different. We'll just, we'll just uh, passingly nod in the streets. All right, let's take a break and uh, we'll come back and uh, it's going to be some uh, good and bad and good and bad in Minnesota United world. It's the 55-1 podcast. Let's talk about the news here first, which is that Chase Gasper, uh, everyone's favorite police chief in uh, in Minnesota, he signed a new four-year deal with uh, with the Loons. He's going to be back. You know, we've got Boxall back. We've got Chase Gat back. Uh, it's good to see them kind of lock guys in. I think that we all generally are, we like Chase. We think he needs to improve. But, like, I think getting a guy like that in and hopefully Chase gets a little bit of a pay bump. Good for him. It, it it just means that it's four more years of him. You know, he can finally invest in that catamaran on Lake Minnetonka. Yeah. Oh my God. That dude. That dude. He went to like um. What's the other town by Minnetonka? The there's Wyzetta and then there's Excelsior. Like, Excelsior or what's the one with or, the or, o? Orno. Orono. Chase Gasper went to Orono and he looked around. He's like, my people. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we love um, you, Chase. I've only been to Orono once, and I was like, "Ooh, these are big houses." <laughs> oh, okay, this is where they live. This is just and I sharpened my guillotine. Um, so, you guys want to talk? Oh my god, I'm just looking at the notes here. Adrian Heath, perpetual underdog. MLS wrote a piece about this. Do you really want to talk about Adrian? No, Heath? no, absolutely not. But I threw it in there because it was relevant, and I was trying to. Okay, tell me what you want to say notes. about it, and then we'll yeah. I wanted to pretend I was doing It's that. the same thing. Bill, you know, uh, fuck, uh, Bruce had a tweet. He was just like, there's our the thinnest skin coach in all of MLS. It was just like, you know, Heath just saying that some of the stuff that was said, you would have thought that the season was over, may as well go home. So the demise of Minnesota United is probably not as great as some people think. It's like, man, you just smacked you just the had, hell you, out well, of LA Galaxy for the first time in in – the team, the team's MLS history, yeah, technically and whatever. No, no, we beat them like, in the Open Cup, I believe. Yeah, so. we did. Anyway, sure. So, so in regular season play, fine, yeah. whatever. Um, and it's just like, come on, dude, can you like not just be happy? Yeah, and God. also, also, um, you just came off one of the worst losses. You just got destroyed, um, and people are rightful to criticize you, which we're about to do. So we're breaking we're breaking the rule, which is we don't discuss what Heath says. Uh, the first rule of Fight Club is you never talk about what Heath says, um, and that's because um, it, it just to me like I care about this team. I love cheering for them, and Adrian Heath only detracts from that. He has never in his career 
made me happier about being a Minnesota fan, so I just ignore him. Um, but let's go to this news. The Loons, uh, this is from Andy Greeter, um, who writes, uh, The Loons have parted ways with Damian Roden, Roden the, um, the club's senior director of sports science, United has had a series of injuries tied to training recently, and on top of Rodin's departure this week, the club has been looking at adjusting some of their practice routines. He was previously with the Wales national team, the Seattle Sounders. He was hired in March, which I think he was hired well before that. Um, sure. Because, uh, I, I mean, I, I remember him coming from the Sounders a year and a yeah, half. Yeah, it could have been anyway. March of so, last year. Who knows, but... Uh, the way it sounds like the has a series of injuries tied to it, it, it almost sounds like there should be a true crime podcast about this. Like, like there were a series of injuries at training, uh, but we've had uh, it's been very bad, and we you know, we have some Twitter questions about like, what the hell? Why can't we stay fit? Um, yeah, because it, it's it's not like it's in you know match based. Um, you know, injuries, I mean, obviously, like, you know, a couple of people come off with, you know, a tight hamstring or, you know, a, a nasty challenge or something like that. But it seems like every week the injury list is stacking up and it's like the only thing that's different is training. And like, are they, you know, what what is going on there? Yeah, I, 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 I have no expertise in the human body other than um, my sexy body and Lucha Gonzalez's. Um, so I, I can't like talk about fitness in that way. And so if they think that this is a way that they can fix the problem, I have no problem or I have no idea if it's Rodin who was a big part of it, but they do need to fix that. They do need to keep their players fit. They need to take their uh, vitamin gummies. Yep. Take, uh, everyone take your vitamin gummies. Everyone take your um, THC gummies, whatever you need. Flintstones. Yep, Flintstones your, vitamins. Your Flintstone weed. Um Let's uh, let's talk about these two games. We've got um, a four nil loss at uh, Kansas City midweek, and then a three nil win. We're not going to go through the games. We're at the part of the season where I think we're all really bored of uh, nitpicking things, and um, and so this is every every year on the podcast. By this time, we're like, let's talk broad picture stuff. <laughs> we will say um, the Kansas City game. The lineup you had DJ Taylor at left back. You had a trap in Hayes midfield. The attack was Frank Payne, Finley, and then the Unu Adi. I have a couple points I want to make about this. Um, I do think we want to talk about DJ Taylor at left back in a minute, and I want to talk about why we don't have a Euro playing, Raitala playing there. Um, but there was talk, uh, particularly from Cal, um, the, the team's play-by-play uh, -play guy, about how Unu was brought in to play with a, another forward. I think that this is BS gaslighting um, after the fact stuff. Uh, I think it's coming from the team. Usually that that's like stuff that like um, Heath is saying to Cal and Cal is kind of like bringing in um, there. Cause if it's true, if, if we brought in a striker who is meant to play in the two striker system, when we have never played with the two striker system and we actually have a team set up to play a four, two, three, one, that would be stupid. Like, that would be a really stupid pull. I think that Unu is not working out. Um, maybe he'll come good. Uh, um, but we did play with a, a, a two-striker team. It did not go well. Um, we had some moments in the first few minutes of this game, but 
Um, this was not that far off our starting lineup, I do want to say. Like, um, Trap and Hayes, Hayes has played lots of games for us. Um, we were missing Reynoso and Robin Lude, which we've been missing both of them for a while, and Chase Gasper, who, again, fan of Chase Gasper, but he's not the rock upon which this house is built. Um, so we weren't out there with an extremely um, thin lineup. Now, the, the benches were, were thin. So I mean, we were also missing Dotson because he's pretty much a regular starter now, too. He has, but we did just fine without him uh, against L.A., yeah, you're absolutely right that it's not that far off of our starting lineup, but it does it does show two things that, you know, when you do have Grey Goosh and Dotson out and, you know, all of the stacks of injuries that we have, even putting multiple second and third tier bench players into this team, it does show the golf and quality once you get down into those lower depths, especially when you add, you know, when you have several of them. Um, the thing that I'll single out about this match is that DJ Taylor was a huge vulnerability, and yeah, he was I, destroyed. He he's not a left back. He didn't play. Yeah, no, he's not, he's a, left not back. a left back. He's a right and, back. And and the thing is, and I and I have a feeling I know what you're going to go. We're going to talk about with Raitala, and I'll let you talk about it. But DJ Taylor, so many of our goal of Kansas City's goals and attacking chances came from his side, where they would constantly attack him. And then have cutbacks. Matt Doyle tweeted about it. He's like, how many more? To, is Adrian Heath going to fix anything to help out DJ Taylor? And the answer is no. He no. absolutely didn't. And it's but setting, up, setting up young players to fail. It's putting them in bad positions to fail. Right. And that, that kind of stuff is really frustrating. Because DJ Taylor could be, you know, he's a young guy. He can be a good player. We, we don't quite know because we've only really ever seen him at left back. And so you have Raitala who is, uh, he's not been great, but you brought him in and he was going to be your backup for Chase Casper. And you can't even play him. Like you can't put him in that. You have to play a young player out of position rather than a guy who can play that position. That kind of stuff really frustrates me. Where, well, you know why he didn't play? Because he said something mean to Adrian Heath once? No, know. he had that one match where he was filling in for Roman Metonaire and, right and he got yeah. yanked at halftime. Yeah. And he's never going to play again. Yeah. Well, if he you did. Play, if when, he, when you're played out of position and you don't perform well, you never get to play in your true position ever yeah. again. And so them's the breaks. That's the story of Jacory Hayes. He he did come in. Retala did come in as a left wing back when eventually in this game we had four center backs on the pitch because we had to make all of our changes and we only had four outfield players who could be brought in. And uh, should have just put Fred Emmings up top, man. Yeah. So Which, I mean it's it's funny that Raitala came in as like a wing back too, because the reason he was pulled at halftime for that one time he filled in for Metonaire is because he wasn't getting forward enough to Heath's liking. Like, I don't know what this guy wants, but man, like I I don't get it. I mean, and basically as far as the lineup goes, all the the night and day difference between Wednesday and Saturday, it all comes down to just how completely dependent this squad is on having Reynoso healthy because against um, Sporting Kansas City, their expected goals were 0.8. We got zero. Our expected goals against LA were 0.9 and we got three. And we, when you have that one player just relying on everybody, it's great. 
except for it is a slog of a season. You can't rely on just one player, and that's kind of where we're stuck at right now. Actually, the, what I saw from Y Scout is that we had a 1.39 XG against LA Galaxy. They had an eight, a 0.89 against the Sporting KC. It was 0.88 for us and 2.57 for Sporting KC. So the difference to me was not just Reynoso. It was the defense. I, I, we talked about how DJ Taylor was exposed, but Metonier was terrible in this game. He was responsible for 50% of those first two goals. Um, and I think that you, you can't really separate defense from offense, whatever, because it's all a holistic thing. Um, we were missing some players, but we were also absolutely garbage. And I don't think you can fully put it on Reynoso. We are super dependent on Reynoso. Um, I mean, that's as been an outlet for the past. I mean, like, like I, I've been talking on this podcast about, you know, what is the backup plan if you if Reynoso gets to buy a yeah. bus? And we don't have one, right? Yeah. And that's but that's what the season's proven is yeah. we don't have one. And and we're not going to look into getting one because we're just gonna throw a uh a duct tape uh roster out there to be able to try to see if they can get us any results. I mean, you think about what's going on right here, right? You you're you're putting players in a position where like they haven't played before. Trap and Hayes have really played together that well, uh, or long enough to be able to do that. I mean, um, uh, I don't want to go into Fernando Adi's worth of this time, but right now I'm, you know, Adi makes me miss Juan Chope in a sort of sense, and I would have, and if we were going to play a two-striker system, like, like we've been we've been saying that work functions better on there, then I would have preferred to have Juan Chope up there, someone who's actually willing to, to do that, uh, and then do the slowest know, uh, stepovers on the planet. It's like yeah, watching still, the Rockets at point uh, two five speed. People. But the but the thing is that this this formation yeah. really created a gap in that midfield, that there was no no one connecting the ball from the, the, the spine of our defense to our midfield to our to to start creating services for our, our attackers, and I think that's that's the thing. It's like we we were able to create four five minutes six minutes of offense. Right, we we've established that uh, that um, Lude is our um, is is our finisher and. We, no one else can finish us on this team, and that's you. You you are able to do that. And SKC understood that if we were able to withstand the 10, 15 minute onslaught, then yep. things would open up for them, and they did. Christian Fitchett asked this question, which is: I don't understand how the Loons can go from objectively awful on Wednesday to dominant on Saturday. I know Lude and Reynoso are difference makers, but is there a key difference between SKC and the Galaxy that made? This about face more likely to occur because the Galaxy were playing. There's a lot to this question. Uh, I think Galaxy's defense were pretty bad. Uh, they gave Reynoso so much space, um, and I don't know why. Um, and he scored. He doesn't usually make those uh, make those goals uh, work, and he did. Um, there was also the fact that galaxy did have a good really dominant spell in the first 15 minutes of the second half um and we survived a little bit tyler miller helped out a lot of players did um but skc had more just they just kept on putting the pressure and i think that there were more pressure points to put on right dj taylor as opposed to um chase gasper um so there's a lot to that question. I don't, are there other ways that you think about? You you talked about Reynoso, which is yeah, obviously like Reynoso does help a lot. I just also think that there's other things going on here. 
Um, I, you know, personally, I think into regards to the question, I think it's it's it has to do with a lot of of who you SKC also you know was dispossessing us in our own half of the ball. Our passings weren't weren't even really on target most of the time, and Fragapane really didn't have an outlet to to have someone to really to really look uh, look forward to connect with, and so. I think a, a lot of this was just, you know, we weren't, we didn't, we, we had a, a group out there that wasn't disciplined enough to to be able to to stay in their positions or communicate for that mass. And and it was just, you know, just, it's just, it's just a bad, bad overall play. And, and we've seen when this team gets mentally down, and then you saw that by like the second goal, it was just, it was just open, open gates, right? I mean, DJ Taylor couldn't do anything about it. Johnny Russell said, oh, yeah, I'm just going to keep on doing the same thing. And then nobody else was coming back to track back or whatever. So, I mean, it's just if you don't care, you don't care. So let's move to the good things, which is LA Galaxy match was spectacular. We've never beaten the LA Gal- Galaxy in the MLS era. Um, so is this the real Minnesota United? We've got Lud back as striker. We've got Reynoso back. We've got Fragapane and Finlay um, really working. We've got, I think, Ozzy Alonso the last couple games um, when he's been in of the, has been really good. I trashed him a lot earlier in the season, I think rightfully. Um, you know, things, are, things look good there. <clears throat> and so is this the, is this the lineup that we, if, if we see this go out week in, week out, we've got 10, 10 games left or something like that, right? Um, will we get into the playoffs and then maybe win a couple games? So, so there's a couple of points there. I think, I think Ozzy looked good. We we said it on the show. I've said it on the show. When Ozzy starts, especially if he gets a couple of regular starts, but when he starts, you you know he finds the game after the first ten or fifteen minutes, which I think coincides with LA having some really good chances in those first ten or fifteen minutes. But once he finds his feet and he starts pacing that back that back line and that and that um, deeper midfield, you start to we we start to have more control over the pace of the game. Um, I think it's interesting that we played as kind of like double sixes in this match. Um, it's one of the few times that we've actually had Lud Reynoso. And Fragapane on the field together. And they all look like rejuvenated players. So I don't know if they can sustain that energy. I thought that it worked well with Ethan Finley. Um, I thought, I think, you know, I I, I don't know if, if Wes, you tweeted about this or what, but or if it was in the uh, the, the Patreon Slack where it's like, do we just assume that, that Lud is our striker moving well, forward? That's my assertion now. I, I think our problem is that we've, we've viewed Lud as playing as a striker as a, well, someone's not fit or, you know, Unu's not like quite going. So let's you move Lud from right to the striker. And I think that we just need to stop thinking that and start to think Lud is our number one striker. Even though he does not play in that ro- that same role, that should be where we start. The Where we start. Lud, Reynoso underneath him. Fragapane to the left, Finley to the right. We didn't talk much about Finley yet. I think he was fantastic. Actually, there's a Twitter mm-hmm. question about him, so we can talk about Finley. Um, 
So I think that well, that's my you, assertion that that top that front four should be going forward what we use. Well, well let's just to 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 finish talking about Lid there um is that when you look at when we were our most potent down the stretch last season who was our striker? And and he wasn't a hold up striker. This is the thing. This is the thing that he's not he's not that target man hold up striker. He is a dynamic false nine that tucks further back and plays with Reynoso and Fragapane and they can all cause chaos. And this is the thing that, that makes us really special in the attack when these players are there. And Ethan has some direct qualities and he was absolutely fantastic. We'll talk about him, but yeah, I, I think it's Luda's our striker, but he's not a traditional, you know, fuck, you know, uh, he, he doesn't just play this target any of those roles. He, yeah. The, no, the, no. Yeah. Hindu, yeah. But aren't you just describing what Unu is like supposed to be? No, exactly. not necessarily. No, no, like, no, a, no. No, I like think, a false nine, not a direct striker, whatever. Like all of that ex- completely describes Unu, but he wasn't played like that. Like and so if you if you can if you can dis if you can uh, if going forward we can say we're not gonna have a direct striker. Like we're not gonna have the traditional striker. We're not gonna have like the like person there. That's great going forward. That's not how we've lined up and not how we've played. And until that changes, I mean, it's, you can put loot in and it's great. Like, agreed. But that when you, the reason that it's working is because when you put loot in that role, the team works well with that role. Unfortunately, Unu hasn't been put in in that role. He's been like the target guy going forward and whatnot. And no one's ever said, like, why don't we play Unu like Lude, like a guy who's just filling in for a target guy okay. who's not a target guy. We're not going to play him like a target guy. That That is possible. I mean, I I guess you're making a lot of assumptions on the uh, without that we don't know about, which is what are the instructions to Unu? And I don't right. think that – I think that he – Unu is the guy who he tries to run off shoulders. He tries to be on a counterattack. He tries to make those moves. That's not what Lude is doing, right? Lude is – um, moving out, he's vacating that space like a false nine, right? He's not um, spending his time with the center back. I'm using my hands on on a podcast, right? He's not um, posting up to the center back and then trying to outsmart them and get make a diagonal run, right? Instead, he's pulling off of them and moving to the wing, and he's vacating the space so that someone else can move in. Unu doesn't play that way, and maybe he can, but we haven't seen him try to do that, and I don't think that it's I, I sincerely doubt that it's like no one's tried to tell him to do that I think it's his natural um, role is to be a certain kind of striker I, um, Robin Lude is maybe more suited to the false nine because he's not a striker and he's just you know vacating the space the way he would and becoming acting in these other roles the way he otherwise does but I, I think I think the question that we also need to talk about, or maybe we, or, or the statement that we need to think about, is: is do we really need a striker? The last three years, we've uh, we've proven with Molino on this team and Reynoso and everyone else that we don't need a striker. We have our midfielders scoring a lot of goals for us. Do we? Re- and and we've tried strikers. We've tried many strikers, many types of strikers, and unfortunately, none of them have been as successful. The only one that had any kind of quality that we thought might work out and had showed promise was injured most of the year. And then decided we decided not to, we weren't able to bring him back. 
right? And I think if you if you well, look the, at the other um, one, the, the other one was just sold at LAFC, but right. And if you look at Unu, he looks to not so much as shoot and score, but to create first before he actually does that. And in this game, when he came in, I'm I'm I, at this point of, of the season, I am okay with Unu being a a second second half super sub. Because he does bring a different type of pace, but he does that. And he was able to set up, you know, um, what should have been Finley's second goal. Uh, instead of shooting, he was able to cross it and put it perfectly in front of him and wasn't able to to, to do it. But one of the things that in this game that was, for me, really interesting, and we, the, the, we'll, we'll change the pace of, of talking about Lude, is the fact that, we had a double six pivot and no Dotson meant that our our attacking minded players had the freedom to do whatever they wanted to do. And in this case, Fragapane became the 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 connection piece between the defense to the midfield to be able to create offense. And the tenacity that Fragapane has is like dribbling at people and, and making people nervous. Um it, it literally made made um Galaxy's already weak defense, in a sense, you know, even more, even even more distraught in the aspect that we would go and do. Now, I think Fragapane needs to still get on page on on, on where he needs to have, wants other people to follow his passes because there were many situations where he passed the ball into an open space and there was nobody there. He did have that, that amazing goal. pass for Ethan Finley for the third goal. Right, which was a which is something that we've been asking for. It's like, yeah. right, you we want someone to split the center backs, right? We want someone to try to do that because it works for us, right? Um, all of this, no matter what, when we talk about these four and we talk about who's doing what roles, we need someone being vertical and direct and scoring goals. And um, Robin Lude is better at doing that. I think Unu just needs to effing calibrate the mouse and get it in because he. He had two chances in the SKC game in the first five minutes that uh, a header that he just couldn't get enough power on, but it went wide, and then a shot that went wide. And, um, man, that dude just needs some uh, needs some magic. He needs to go to, like, um, non-bistro and just get some pho and just, like, get some, get some juices flowing. Just, like, get some real, like, marinade in his body because he's just, like... Uh, He's he's not feeling it. So and 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 here's the thing with with Unu is that we were critical of Robin Lud the same way that we are of of Unu right now. Where it's like, is he being played out of position? Is he being given, you know, improper stru- instructions? Is it because he couldn't come until like, you know, four, five, six matches into the season, and however many it was, and he wasn't fully match fit? And when you saw the way that Robin Lud started his second season with us, his first full season with us, it was like night and day. And we were like, yeah, cool. Yeah. You put him on the right and he's got, so like, I think he's going to come good. I don't know if it's going to be this season or, or he might pull a Kevin Molino and be the superstar down the stretch. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's take a break. Cause I want to, in the next section, we've got Twitter questions, but I want to look forward and like, what this means going forward and then talk about the Houston game. I also want to go get some scotch. Back on 55.1 podcast, I got the um, Lagavulin, which is uh, the Nick Offerman 
Oh, uh, you got the eleven year. Yeah, eleven year. Nice. Um, this is the, uh, the 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 what I won off of David Zeller for. Um, <laughs> oh, that's for, a good bottle. That. Yeah. Well, what I did is I basically I went to my uh, liquor rep and I was like, "Hey, this guy won, or I won off this guy a sixty to eighty dollar bottle of brown liquor." find me something tell me something that i wouldn't otherwise buy and i didn't realize it was scotch i thought thought it was bourbon what he was describing to me and uh and then it came and i was like all right so i don't drink a lot of scotch and it's pretty decent mm-hmm. I, i'm not a yeah. again my scotch palate is not great but it's not Ooh. overly peaty and it's like slightly sweet but not Sweet. Yeah, I know it's a little bit it's like the um that one's a lot more mellow like on the peat side than like their 16 year. So it's great. Okay. Mm. So anyway, I might bike over. Thanks uh David Zeller for uh losing your bet to me. Um I also actually started the evening with their uh the the Dave's I know Heath out stout that um Hop Clouds made. So it's uh there you go. Thanks Zeller. Um we play Houston this Saturday and uh you know the seventy eighth edition of the Dylan Wolpers Derby. Um, I, I expect this should be a pretty solid win, right? I mean, is there any reason? Maybe to not. We it, so Houston does not have too many hot streaks. They're not that kind of team. They went from late May until early September without a win, but. In their last three matches, um, they have two wins and a draw. They're on a three-match unbeaten streak, which they're coming to us now. And who better to you know continue the streak than us, right? I mean, yeah. I, but if we've got all of our team running, if we have all these players, this this lineup going, we were just talking about: is this the real Minnesota United? Do we expect that this team, the way we've seen them clicking, or at least clicking in this game, um, that they should be able to make this run and finally actually just securely get a playoff spot? Um, Because right now they are on the border. Like LAFC lost this week um, doing us a favor, but um, I mean, it's very easy for us to not make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, it's like we have we have Houston this weekend and then D.C. away, Dallas away. And so, like, Dallas just lost their their head coach. But are they going to get that, like, bump of fresh management and just be playing super free? And we have no idea what they're going to get. Colorado's kicking ass. Austin, like, that should be all right. You know, I mean, Philly, they've been, you know, okay. They've been up and down just like we have. LAFC, they haven't been great. Vancouver's had some, like... It's it's there are enough matches in the end of the season and points against teams that are right around where we are, especially teams that are above us like Colorado, that we can grab points from if we continue to play like this, Um, because the last two matches of the season are, you know, it's SKC at home and then L.A. Galaxy away. And it's those especially that last Galaxy game. It might come down to that last game of. Not not just whether or not we get a playoff game, a home playoff game, just if we get in at all, depending yeah. on how this run goes. I think it's doable. I think it's this was a this was a a, a must win match that we had this weekend, but so is this one. No, and I think going forward, like, I mean, regardless of where we're at, like, it's it's 
I, I really like the excitement of this. So if you look at the table right now, like, um, you know, SKC, Seattle, and Colorado, they're all up at the top. No one's probably going to catch them. But the separation between the number four spot in the conference and the number eight is only five points. And so it's going to be like relegation zone kind of like hype as far as, uh, you know, this is as best of relegation zone as you can get for MLS is falling below the playoff line. But it could go either way. And like any team right now could take the fourth spot and have right. a playoff match. And any team could be completely out of the playoffs right now as far as those, like, you know, LA Galaxy, Portland, when moves you from seventh or eighth to fifth place right now yeah. in the West. And, right. and, and not to don't, don't forget. We also have a game in hand on a lot of the teams that are directly above us. I guess. The, and the, we're still in seven. The one thing I will say is I don't want to sneak into the playoffs. If we're going to just do the kind of BS stuff that we've done a lot of this season where it's like, you know, we'll get a win and then it's like draws. It just where we, we, we haven't been good this season. Um, other than this was a great game. We had that win against Austin that were solid. We have had so few games where we were dominant and really good, really impressive. Now, sometimes pulling off a, a good sneaky win against Seattle is great, but I want to see actual good soccer. I want to see us get into the playoffs and not sneak in. If we're going to sneak in, then just let's just not make it. If it's like we get that last spot, then we lose in the first game, then what's the freaking point at that point? So um, that's just my, like, I want this. I, I want to be I want to be fighting for that home playoff spot. I want to be squarely yeah. in that five or six seed we and be fighting for that four spot or third, year. you know. And we all- Here's my question, though. Like, what if, like, say we, like, end up in, like, the fourth spot and we beat, you know, whoever is in the fifth or sixth spot by, like, a point or two, and then the seventh, eighth spot, are separated by like they they're like three points below us, which is one game, and they they're just going back and forth on goal differential or whatever. Like, is getting the fourth spot by three points by one match at the end of the season and uh, above the seventh place team is that even that much better though I, compared I don't, to like the all, teams all, that are like the first, one two three who are like dominating the league right now? Like, all, all I think I, the fourth spot is just like a kind of a consolation prize at this point for how those three teams are running away with it. All I care about is, are we finishing the season actually playing the soccer that we've said that this team should play? Which, uh, against LA Galaxy, right? we didn't really talk about They had some great chances. Um, we were a bit lucky against them. But, you know, we were also a really good team. We played, uh, you know, we rode our luck sometimes, but we, we put it together and we passed the ball. Right. Um, I want to see that. That's all I care about. I want to see. I want to be talking about good games, even if they're good games that we sneak by because um, they're against good teams. But um, Twitter questions. Seasonal Colin O'Donnell says, "What's the opinion you have about one of your favorite bands that you say is iconoclastic, but deep down you realize it's just the wrong take?" I think we're interpreting this question to be a band that you have loved for a long time and deep down have like. Sincere doubts about. Um, anyone want to go? I mean, I love LCD Sound System. Oh, true. and James Murphy has always appeared to be the coolest, like 40, 50 ish year old guy that there is in the world. He's a sonic youth dad. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Maybe I was wrong, but I mean, the guy also is like 
owns a restaurant, owns a vineyard. Like, he, he does okay, stuff. so you, like, you're not actually doubting him. Okay, all right. I'll no, say. I kind of am. Like, I mean, he hasn't done anything like post COVID. Like, where's this COVID work? I want the like the deep grainy COVID work, and he hasn't put any like deep grainy COVID work. Maybe it's just not there. Um, I will say that uh, Radiohead are, are a band that I I. I spent a lot of time they were one of those awakening bands for me um changing how i thought about music and uh i still think parts of okay computer are pretty genius although i don't listen to them much any anymore i think that um most of that band's work is uh really just tom york masturbating on a microphone so <laughs> my my I, choice I kinda... is a uh, black IPs. <laughs> okay Okay, Wait, pre or post? Like pre Fergie? Well, oh, isn't Black Eyed Peas with Fergie? Oh no, they were a great hip hop group before Fergie, and then they yeah, brought on Fergie, true. and then they kind of blew up. Like they were and like, then, and then they were kind of like Fergie, a J five before there. Fergie. Yeah, J five. You're right. You're right. You're right. You know, I think it's probably, Jurassic Five to the uh, the kids out there. Yeah. yeah. No, I I I used to play a lot of Black Eyed Peas in my house, and I just just don't anymore because you don't have a feeling i got a feeling Mm -hmm. i mean like i it was it was awesome when they did the um like i have more more respect for um uh when they did the um sergio mendez cover album i thought that was really interesting uh but like I, i i enjoyed more of their rio soundtrack than i did the um anything else that they put up with Fergie after a while. After and I should clarify that I do not blame the demise of Black Eyed Peas on Fergie. That was a Will I Am thing. And he brought on Fergie to make it a more pop-centric hip-hop group. And that was the demise. So it's not Fergie. It wasn't her fault. We're not blaming Fergie. It was all Will I Am. It was all his fault. Are we still talking about the bad band? Yeah. Okay. Um. Corey, they were a good band. Corey, do you want to say anything about Dave Matthews Band? I was literally going to say, uh, I think I love Dave Matthews Band, but I have a feeling that they are not good. Way, way more boring than than I remember. Yeah. The most uh, exciting thing about them is that they poop on people on the on the on a river in Chicago. That is true. I mean, they don't. They're not actively popping a squat. It's their bus. Here's but. actually here's here's the opinion I have about an iconoclastic big band, which is that uh, Pavement. Um, I think that uh, that Stephen Mal- that the best pavement album is Stephen Malcolm's uh, uh, self-titled first s- solo record. I've never been a huge pavement fan, but I'm a big Stephen Stephen Malcolm's fan. So go check that record out. Self-titled. Um, Andy Call asks: So injuries have been awful, obviously, an inchy gonna inch, but presume a healthy squad manager open to experimentation rotation. What formation starting 11 would you like to see? Would it be different than this last uh, weekend? Would you yes. have a different midfield? Who would you put in instead of Ozzy and Trap? And what would you like? Uh, I, for one, we have not seen Lude on the right, Frank Payne on the left, like just the advertised starting four. We've rarely seen them. And I would just Udo like to front. see... Yeah, and Uno yeah. up front, like with Ray and, you know, playing the 10. Like, I would love to see that. And, you know, who is this? I mean, supporting midfielders, whether it's, you know, Trap and Dotson or 
Greg Newsom, whatever, Ozzy, whatever you want to mix in. I just want to see those top four and see what they can do together. Because we, we still, like, we've had like, like one or two matches where all of them have been there. And then I also want to see like, because then it opens up opportunities because once you have those top four going, suddenly like you still have Finley, who's been great with us on the bench. So he can come in in that super sub role and just run at tired legs and do his thing. And you can right. see how it goes. But like, that's what we were promised in the beginning of like the whole, like, you know, signing of everybody. And it's, we've never seen it. And I just want to see it just to see how it works. I a hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree with you. Backline, I think we keep the backline. I think Will Trap has to be a starter, and I don't particularly care who he partners with. I I don't know. I I I like the defensive set block of two sixes, and then giving um, giving our, our creative midfield the liberty to be able to move and and move the ball about as as they please. I don't know if you noticed from this past game that we were moving the ball extremely fast and quickly, and you know. Midfielders hate that. Like when you can't even put pressure on someone, it's just it becomes extremely frustrating, and it led to a lot of yellow card calls that that we saw. I mean, not from the get go when Fagapani got that yellow card, the foul right outside the box. Um, I think I, th- I think it's it's interesting, but I, I I do agree with with um like I think you bring in um you bring in Finley for Unu, and then you and then you move Lude into the striker. Um, for a substitution, and I think that's and and then and that's what I would I would keep it as at the 60th or 70th minute, you know, and and and, and see what happens from then. This goes into Bill Lydon's question, which is, what does Ethan Finley actually do for this team? To which, oh man, to which Brent Finley responded, "Start with leadership, Daddy. Daddy. Start with leadership and go beyond." Attaboy, Brent. Get him. Um, I I thought. Ethan Finley, we've talked about it earlier uh, on previous podcasts. Ethan Finley, we take him for granted. Um, he's not, um, he's definitely not as sexy as Frank Payne and Reynoso um, and Robin Lud, but he works really hard for the team. I thought this was one of his best games in a long time. Um, probably I mean, that all- goal that he scored wasn't an easy one either because he like no. curled it on the outside going in. I mean, that's that's a tough shot angle to, to be able to do that. So I was like, because where I was sitting, I just saw the ball go in and him hitting it. But when I saw it on the replay, it's like the ball curved out and went back in. And I was like, that's a, that's a magnificent Great shot. Finish. I was, I was on, I was on his side of it. So you could see, you could see like the, the keeper's foot and the post and just, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And he just, he nailed it. I mean, it's like it's like that game um, where he scored against Columbus. Uh, was it two years ago or something like that? Where he had a really good game. He he's 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 such an engine for this team. When we've talked about how this this front four works, um, usually you've got that striker like Unu. We talked about he's he's on the on the center backs and then he's he's moving them around and he's trying to make a diagonal run. He's trying to get space right. Um, when Robin Lude comes deep. He moves to the wide, move wide. When Robin Lude comes deep, he moves wide, he moves around. There's a lot of space for then Finley to actually be that diagonal runner because we have no vertical players in this team. We have no one really running at the goal, getting a ball there. And um, 
I really like that Finley is a guy who he's not necessarily like the goal scorer for us, but he is someone who is attacking the net a lot. He's also someone who does a lot of dropping in and protecting his fullback and just doing some good midfield work. Uh, he's not the sexiest, but I think that Finley is an absolute great part of this. And maybe we only use him as a second half sub and he brings a lot of energy. He's got a dynamo. He's got an engine. Maybe that's it. I I would definitely like to see the front four as we saw it in this last game. I think Robin Lude is our striker. And um, what's great about that work with Finley and Robin Lude is that they are kind of moving into each other's spaces in an unusual way that I think is harder for the defense to work with. But... Yeah, I and think. and and hopefully and hopefully like Mark like Mark said, you know, if we get this advertised front four, Unu and Lude, because we've seen Unu play out wide to like a moderate degree of success, and if they can dynamically shift around, because Fragapani is always cutting in, Reynoso's going out to left, if they can just capitalize on that chaos, I think yeah. it could be really really nice. All right, kids, let's call it a day. We've got this weekend, this Saturday, Houston at home, Dylan Wolpers Derby. Um, bring your vaccine cards. If you're coming to the Blackheart, please come hang out with us at the Blackheart. It's been a lot of fun. I did some talking heads after the game, um, burning down the house. And, uh, you know, it's good times to see people. So have a great time. Uh, you're sexy. You're beautiful. Everyone loves you.